Today on the Locked On Blues podcast, Tommy and I are diving deep into the Jordan Binnington Nazem Kadri controversy. We're not looking forward to doing it, but there is a conversation that needs to be had, so we're going to be getting into that. And then we're going to be moving on, talking about games two and three. The Blues got a win, but they also got a loss, so they sit at down 2-1 in the series. And then finally, in segment three, we're going to be previewing the pivotal game four matchup tonight. Uh, Busy, action-packed episode, lots to talk about. Make sure you stay tuned. Your Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Locked On Blues Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and your number one source for daily blues content. I'm Josh Hyman, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Thomas Wallach. And like I said, we got a busy episode for you today. First things first, we're going to be diving into the Jordan Biddington injury and the controversy that followed. Um, Again, going to be a tough segment. We didn't want to talk about something like this. We hate that this conversation needs to be had, but it does. So plenty of hockey talk still to come, though. So uh, we'll get through this first segment, and then we'll get to the hockey talk. But first, I want to let you guys know that today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. Now, before we get into any conversation about Nazem Kadri and Jordan Bennington is important to note that both Tommy and I vehemently agree that Blues fans have crossed the line. Uh, there is no room for threats or racism or verbal attacks on social media to any player in any sport at any time, no matter the circumstance. Um, and that's why I said we're both pretty disappointed to be sitting here having to record this segment um and talk about it in the way that we are however you know incidents unfolded over the weekend that you know led to us having to have this conversation again it it should be a no-brainer but we wanted to just make sure we uh both gave our take on that and said that you know there was a line that was crossed that goes beyond the game of hockey um and we're both looking forward to hopefully you know the necessary action being taken so that everybody can put this behind them yeah we were also talking about before the podcast that we have you know, it, it's been a while since we talked to you guys. We've got a lot of to- content we want to cover. And unfortunately, part of this episode has to be spent uh, covering something as disgusting as this, as people going into the messages and threatening not only Kadri, but his family and um, just racism as a whole, like all of that stuff has no place in the sport of hockey, absolutely no place in St. Louis or its fan base. So I, to say that I'm disappointed and Josh is disappointed, uh, I think, is the understatement of the century. It's just it's just despicable. It's disgusting. And I, I expected better from St. Louis as a fan base, as a whole. Uh, and the, th- the thing is, we're, we're, we're speaking from a point of privilege. You know, we're Blues fans. We're, we have the quote-unquote right to be upset with Nazem Kadri and all that. I can't imagine what it's like to be an Avalanche fan or an Avalanche player right now you know, dealing with something as far over the line as what transpired. It puts a dark cloud over the rest of the series, um, and it just brings something way, way bigger than hockey into the game with no business being there. Um, That being said, though, I I don't want to spend too much time dwelling on that. There's been a lot covered over the weekend. I do want to get into the hit and the play itself. Again, I want to stress we are separating this entirely from the incidents that occurred off the ice, we do have some hockey to talk about. It, again, just unfortunate connotations. That being said, in case you somehow missed it, um, Nazem Kadri drove to the net, bumped into Kale Rosen. 
Two of them went into Jordan Bennington. He suffered a pretty significant injury that is going to keep him out the rest of round two. Um, obviously, extremely frustrating, extremely disappointing. Uh, Jordan Bennington obviously expressed that frustration by throwing a water bottle, which you can't do that. It, it sets a dangerous precedent. Again, off the ice, you, you need to sort of just let the game you know, stay on the ice. So beyond that, Tommy, what did you think of the hit? I, I, I mean, I don't think it was dirty i think it was reckless i think it was an unfortunate play but as much as as much as i'm frustrated as much as i'm disappointed and and wish that jordan bennington could still be playing i don't look at that hit and see something equivalent to for example what happened to justin falk last year where it was a blatant headshot that kept him out i see an unfortunate hockey play that maybe a less reckless player would have prevented however you can't really fault nazim kadri too much for the play that's my take Wish it didn't happen, but understand why it did. Yeah, I, I think I, I got to agree with you there. I mean, uh, when you look at all the angles, and I know that there was a video going around that used like geometry and was throwing the lines up, and I think you can, you can you know, pinpoint, minimalize, and, um, you know, go frame by frame on a lot of plays and see a lot of different things. But I think at the end of the day, what I saw, when you, look, when you break it down at full speed, is uh, Kadri is obviously – going hard to the net, right? As you should, as a hockey player in the playoffs. Like, why would you not go hard to the net? Because eventually there's going to be rebounds sitting there, right? And lo and behold, Jordan Bennington does make the save, but there there is a rebound there, and the puck's sitting there with a wide-open net in front of Kadri. Like, and obviously Rosen's between them, so he kind of has to go through Rosen to get to the puck, and so he's kind of barreling his way through there. But at the end of the day, when people are talking about he's making a play on the puck, he absolutely is. He's trying to score a goal there and help his team. That being said, I don't think he was trying to avoid contact with Jordan Bennington and didn't mind you know, getting in his kitchen, as a lot of people like to say. So um, the end result is Jordan Bennington is knocked out of the series after he was playing lights-out hockey since... Some of the best sock- hockey we've seen from him since 2019. Uh, he had a 950, 949, something like that save percentage in the playoffs, which was best out of all uh, active goaltenders. So uh, that is a huge loss for the St. Louis Blues. But like I said, like you said, I don't think it's inherently dirty by Kadri. Uh, but at the end of the day, the result of his actions do end up injuring Jordan Bennington. But I feel like you can make the comparison that it's similar to what happened with Barbashev because I think that was a clean hit and Gerard has a broken sternum, which holy cow, I can only imagine how much pain he is in and I hope uh, he gets a speedy recovery. But not only is he out for the series, he's out for the entire playoff. So uh, that is a brutal loss for the Avs as well as he's a very important part of their defensive core. Can't gloss over it. After the game, Nazem Kadri post-game interview, Jordan Bennington does throw an empty plastic water bottle at him, which on its own, I don't think is too egregious. You know, I don't think I don't think there was any intent or motivation behind it other than frustration at getting injured. However, like I said before, you are a professional. You do have standards to uphold. And as much as I probably would have wanted to throw a water bottle at Nazem Kadri if I were in Jordan Bennington's shoes, you got to understand that that sets a dangerous precedent. And if you once you start taking stuff off the ice, you know things can get dangerous. Obviously, a water bottle is not going to cause any damage, but again, if that just becomes the norm, it's going to escalate into something that nobody wants to see. Um, so, as much as again, I think it was harmless in a vacuum. Overall, it's just something that can't happen, and, and, and it's frustrating. Again, understand where Jordan Bennington is coming from, but also you can't do that. 
as much as I as much as it's a funny highlight, you can't do that. Yeah, I think I think you voiced it well. I think it is it's definitely what they call like a slippery slope because the more you let that kind of stuff go, the more you're gonna let like yep. sticks getting thrown stuff. And obviously that's that's yep. two very different scenarios, but. The more you let stuff go, the more they're going to keep pushing the envelope, right? So I agree with you uh, from that standpoint. I think, like I, like you said, like Jordan Bennington has every right to be frustrated. I mean, w- when you break down what like the roller coaster of a season that he's been through from being the starter and being on like the favorite to be Team Canada and then just kind of falling off a cliff in terms of production, losing the starting role to Billy Huso, coming back, getting a prime opportunity towards the end of the season – seizing it, uh, getting a prime opportunity in the playoffs, seizing it, and now playing some of the best hockey we've seen from him in his career to have that stripped from you Mm -hmm. uh, from something that's not even your fault and something that uh, is as controversial as the play with Kadri. I would be as frustrated as he was. That being said, like you said, it's a slippery slope with the bottle throw. It just can't happen. Yep, and again, it sucks because now here we are. Ten minutes into the episode, we have yet to talk a single detail of strategy or anything that went right or wrong for the blues but here we are um now here's hoping that again i know there's it's a lot bigger than hockey it's a lot bigger than us and it's not it's, this conversation doesn't need to end like tommy and i both said racism that sort of thing has no place in hockey it is a conversation that should be continued to be had but there are times when you know you can put that to the side and hope that people can agree to focus on that when the time is right because there is a hockey game that we do need to talk about so again all our, all our sentiments stand true, and we stand by what we said. However, we're going to try to put that out of the spotlight and just focus on the series as a whole and try to not let it cloud anything. So that being said, in the second segment, we're going to be talking about what went right in Game 2 and what went wrong in Game 3. Make sure you stay tuned for that. But before we get into that, I uh, want to tell you guys about one of our newer sponsors, and that is AG1. Now, I talk about this a lot. Um, well, I, I used to be a college student. I did graduate on Friday. But when I was in college... Uh, I never had time to, to, you know, eat, eat a healthy meal or do anything. When I had classes, I was in my apartment for 30 seconds going back out. Uh, and it left me feeling, you know, slow and sluggish throughout the day. But that is until I discovered AG1 with one little scoop of AG1, you're getting 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day. Right. Uh, this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging, all those important things. Uh, plus they have great sustainability and values. Athletic Greens is a climate-neutral certified company. And in 2020, AG purchased carbon credits that support projects protecting old-growth rainforests. Plus, in 2020, AG donated over 1.2 million meals to kids. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. That being said, we'll be right back with the second half of today's episode. All right, Tommy. So before we get into the bad news that was the Blues loss, they did get a win in pretty convincing fashion. Uh, coming away with a 4-1 to one victory over the Colorado Avalanche in Colorado in Game 2, uh, giving me a lot of optimism for the series. And honestly, even though they did lose, that optimism still remains because I think they did a lot of things right in that game. Um, the defense was stellar. Uh, Bennington was really great. But again, I think that was a product of the defense and the way that the defense was playing, which gives me optimism that Huso can do the same. 
Uh, and the offense uh, is getting is continuing to play well. David Perron obviously continuing to torch whatever team he's playing against. Ryan O'Reilly is dominating. Um, need to see a little more out of that, you know, Thomas, Tarasenko, Buchnevich grouping. Again, I think they're going to be split up again tonight. But lots to take away from that, Tommy. What were some of the biggest positives that you saw in that victory? I think the biggest positive for me was since, honestly, from my assessment in watching these games, since game one, I feel like the Blues, when you talk about adjustments, I feel like we haven't really, especially me, like I haven't gotten a chance to talk on this pod about um, the full-on adjustments that Craig Bruby's made in these playoffs so far, but he's got to be, I mean, just one of the most underrated coaches in the league, right? I feel like I... Me specifically, I haven't talked about that on this podcast enough. I don't know uh, if you touched on your solos enough or not, but the way that he has adapted throughout the playoff series on a game-by-game basis and uh, kind of realizing when things aren't going his way uh, and making the correct, not only like, because you can go in there and like try to try to mix things up, put the lines in the blender, right? And sometimes you'll just try to throw something at a wall and see if it sticks, right? But it really does feel like Craig Berube has uh, in his mind, like, Every player on this team is a chess piece, and not only um, are they viable in certain situations, but he knows how they're viable. If that situation doesn't work out, uh, he's got like a, a plan two, plan plan B, plan C, you know, all the way down to Z. Like this man has an absolute plan uh, when it comes to adapting to these situations, and I think uh, he did a fantastic job of that in game two, and we saw the results, right? In game three, I feel like the Blues honestly outplayed the Avs for the majority of the game, but at the end of the day, uh, the goaltending was a little bit shaky. You'd like to see some more saves from Billy Huso. But at the same time, the dude's going into a game cold turkey that he's not expecting to start. So I don't think you can hop on the bandwagon of, oh, throw Charlie Lindgren in there and see what happens when the dude... Ba- I mean, great, uh, right? Dude's got fantastic hair and sideburns, but hasn't had a lot of playoff experience at the NHL level, right? So I, I say give Billy Huso a chance. If he goes out there, still struggles, you know, in this game and the next game. I don't know. I think Craig Bruby will make the right decision there. But to say that Billy Huso is washed and won't be viable uh, in tonight's game against the Avalanche because of the sample size we saw in the last game, I think is doing him a disservice after everything he's been through this season and the sample size we saw there. Yeah, and as much as you know, Jordan Bennington was a huge part of the Blues getting that win <clears throat> in Game 2 and a huge part of the Blues getting the win in the series, um, against the Minnesota Wild, I think it's it's more so just the way that the Blues are playing in front of them. You know, we saw that in the regular season as well towards the end. Yeah, Billy Huso started to struggle, but the team was just playing better as a whole. Um, and as a result, it just made it easier on the goalies. I think the Blues played a really, really complete team game. Um, in g- game two, it's not like Jordan Bennington went out there and stole the game. He played spectacular, of course, but I think Billy Huso was ca- would have been capable of winning that game as well. Um it's just about the team rallying around him and, and doing what they did in front of Bennington, um, playing the game that they played in Game 2. Uh, that being said, they did lose in Game 3, and like you said, Billy Huso wasn't completely solid, kind of came into a game, though, cold turkey, especially after a play like that. Everyone's everyone's wires were a little crossed. You um, could tell I think the that crowd really reflected. went way down after Binner went out, too. Yeah, yep, yep, yeah, and I think you saw it in the effort on the ice they weren't playing as tight to their scheme as much anymore. They're trying to throw hits left and right. They definitely, unfortunately, the Avs got in the Blues' head a little bit, I think, um, in that Game 3 loss. But the, the good thing is the Blues have shown that 
when they stick to the game plan and when they execute, they can execute darn well. They they made the Avalanche look like not the Avalanche in Game 2. I, I was very nervous after Game 1 that this series could get out of hand quickly uh, if the Blues didn't make the proper adjustments. And like you said, Tommy, Craig Berube did the impossible and made the Blues look like the better team than the Avalanche, which I'm sorry, on paper, they're just not. But in a playoff series, anything can happen, and Berube made the Blues look like the better team. Um, McKinnon has struggled great, greatly in this series. I think he got an empty net goal or empty net assist, and like that's all he's if gotten that, so far. Yeah. McCarr's you know, been quiet as well. Knock on, knock on wood. You know, he. I at the beginning of the series, I said if you make the Avalanche beat you with their reserves, it's going to be a lot harder for them than people think. Um, obviously, they've still had success with that so far. Their reserves have been great, but. It's a 2-1 series game in St. Louis tonight. Anything can happen. Um, you know, you head back to Colorado, tied up 2-2, best of three. Who, who knows? You know, um, it, it's it's going to be interesting for sure. Uh, in this third and final segment, Tommy and I are going to be getting into the keys tonight's, to tonight's game and what it will take for the Blues to come up with a victory, plus giving our picks for the locked-on player of the game. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But first, if you get a hot take, if you think the Blues are going to come away with a victory tonight, uh, I'm sure they're underdogs on Bet Online, so go put your money where your mouth is. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest odds, news, and sports development, including this year's basketball playoffs, hockey playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, UFC fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online where the game starts and we'll be right back to wrap up today's episode all right tommy so big game tonight um probably the biggest of the season you go down three to one to the colorado avalanche with two out of the next three games in colorado that is a tough hole to climb out of however you even the series up at two you shock the world best of three anything can happen like I said, biggest 60 minutes of Blues hockey we've seen in three years is happening in two hours. Uh, we've seen stuff out of the Blues that get, makes me optimistic. We've seen stuff out of the Blues that makes me pessimistic. However, I'm, I'm a glass half full kind of guy. I think that they have a chance in tonight's game. It's gonna take it's gonna take flawless play, but we saw flawless play out of them in game two. So, Tommy, in your opinion, what is the biggest key? Uh, to to channel that game two magic and even up the series at two. Well, I think it's the same keys that they had to success. Game three wasn't a success, obviously, but I think that the, the the game that they played for the majority of it, albeit like we said, the goaltending wasn't great, but I think that the game that they played was pretty similar to the game that's gonna spell success for them nine times out of ten. So uh, getting to their game early is gonna be huge as always, especially against the Abs, because the last thing you want to do is get into a track meet. And let them enforce their will on you. That being said, like there is, like you said, Josh, this is a huge swing game, and I think if if this series goes two two, it greatly benefits the Blues because of their playoff experience, because of their veteran experience, because they're leaning on those core guys right now, like David Perron and uh, Ryan O'Reilly, and um, the Avs have kind of gotten, you know, like they have a star-studded roster, obviously, but they're not really getting. Uh, the headstrong push from McKinnon and McCarr like a lot of people were expecting to. So, like I said, I think a 2-2 series greatly benefits the Blues and swings the momentum in their favor a ton. Uh, 3-1 series and the Avs start smelling blood. 
uh, with the talent that they have, it's going to be it's going to be hard to beat them f- firing on all cylinders. So uh, I think the biggest key for the St. Louis Blues to be successful, and we talked about it a little bit, is um, like McKinnon, McCarr, those kind of guys have been quiet. Uh, the Blues have had uh, their top guys kind of pulling them through, but I think it's just a battle to see uh, who gets who gets the depth scoring first. And I think if the St. Louis Blues can get the production that they've got from their top guys so far and combine that with depth scoring with guys like Robert Thomas, Buchnevich, Barbashev, any guys like that stepping up, um, Jordan Cairo, you know, he's... He's been scoring a lot this series, but he's also been coughing up a lot of pucks. So any of those guys uh, to play a well-rounded, top-tier, elite status-level playoff game, uh, I think will smell will spell victory for the St. Louis Blues and uh, bring this series to a two-two tie. Yeah, and and the thing is, you know, you're only gonna keep McKinnon and McCarr quiet for so long. They're they're bound to have a game where one or both of them takes over. Um, the thing is, you know, hockey's a game where you can have a player take over and, you know, it, it doesn't mean immediate victory. I mean, Connor McDavid, first of all, I just want to talk about that for like 30 seconds. Connor McDavid has like more points right now in round two. Like he would have been, if the playoffs ended today and you compared Connor McDavid's points to like the point leaders from past playoffs, I'm pretty sure right now he's ahead of like four of the last 10 point leaders when the playoffs ended he's got like 24 points already or something ridiculous like that which like i said is more than anyone finished with in many playoffs in years past but i think it's 23 it's like 2.3 points per game so absolutely ridiculous however the oilers haven't gone undefeated and Connor mcdavid is putting on like maybe the best playoff run of the 21st century so far um and again perfect example you know he's doing that every single night and the oilers aren't winning every single game so even if mckinnon or mccarr has a mcdavid s name s game a lot of m names in there um it's not impossible and i think a a big key for the blues is if that does happen tonight if mckinnon or mccarr you know if the blues are getting a ton of momentum and then mckinnon or mccarr does mckinnon or mccarr things say that five times fast Uh, i feel like i just did um if they start to you know just chase the momentum like that. You can't get discouraged. You can't. You can't just hang your head and get frustrated because you did everything right. Because you can do everything right against a guy like Nathan McKinnon and still find the puck end up in the back of your net. So that's gonna be the biggest thing: is not getting discouraged when they inevitably give up goals, um, when they give up you know good chances, when they take penalties, whatever, what have you. It, it's about staying in the game and, and sticking to their game, like you said. Um, that being said, it's time to make our picks for lockdown player of the game. And Tommy, I'm gonna pick a guy who was uh, really, really successful for the Blues in the regular season. However, has only one goal in, I think, 39 career playoff games, something like that, uh, and that is Robert Thomas. He was – was that your pick? You look that was my pick. Oh, I was going to say you look – was my pick. I could see it on your face when I announced it. Um, yeah. As soon as you said great down the stretch in the regular season, I was like, oh, no, he's going to do it. Yeah. Again, I don't know if it's the exact number of games played in front of me, but I know he's got one goal. Um, and yeah, he didn't find his goal scoring touch until this year. You could argue. However, I don't think he has, does he have a goal in the playoffs this year? I don't know. Whatever. He, he's, he's been, he's been underwhelming. Um, but the thing is, he still looks like the Robert Thomas we know and love. It just kind of is the Robert Thomas of last year where he's doing all the right things, but the points aren't falling. That's what we always said about Robert Thomas is the points are the last thing to come. You know, he's making the, making the right reads, making the right plays. It's just 
not getting the finishing, whether it's him or the person he passes to. And I think we're kind of in that a similar boat right now with him in the playoffs. And it's just about finding that next gear like he did in that regular season, pushing through. Because once he does, once he, you know, gets that confidence, the monkey off his back uh, and gets himself one goal, I think the floodgates are going to open. Um, if he has a confident game tonight, I think it's going to do wonders for him and the rest of the team for the rest of the, the series because he was kind of one of their offensive leaders down the stretch. He's a guy that um, really radiated energy you know, to the rest of the team when he was playing well. It felt like you know the rest of the team rallied behind him. So if he can do that again tonight, even though he's split up, I believe he's split up from that Buchnevich tarasenko line unless they put it back together. So, yeah, last game they were all on a different line, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, so I mean, if we can see you know, a similar performance from Robert Thomas that we've seen from him in the regular season, I think that's going to do wonders for the Blues, you know, because like you said, they've gotten that scoring from O'Reilly and Perron, and their defense has been playing well. If they can just add that extra horsepower in Robert Thomas having a good game, I like the Blues' chances. I'm going to go a similar route. I, we were talking about uh, that lethal line that the Blues had down the stretch of Buchnevich, Robert Thomas, and Tarasenko. You picked Robert Thomas. I'm going to take another guy on that line that is no longer a line for the St. Louis Blues. I think... All things considered, uh, the whole cadre play scenario that ended up with in, that ended up injuring Jordan Bennington uh, felt to me like you know wind out of the sails, like teams against the wall, like almost like a wow, like you can almost be like this series is over. I don't think this series is over, but I feel like a lot of people had a dark cloud looming over their heads after that instance, uh, in similar fashion to the hand pass, and I think um, of. All the players on the St. Louis Blues that if I had to pick one that would uh, come out guns a-blazing the next game after the hand pass or the next game after Jordan Bennington gets hurt that has the experience, that has the love for his teammates, and that has the skill at the same time to completely take over a game, uh, that player is Vladimir Tarasenko. And I think he's kind of been quiet this series. Obviously, he was not quiet against the Minnesota Wild. Um he does have the ability to take over games, and I think we're going to see that version of Vladimir, Taras- Vladimir Tarasenko tonight for the St. Louis Blues, and they're going to end up pulling out a W and evening up the series. Yeah, I mean, the thing was, he wasn't even that good in the Wild Series beyond that one period that he had, which when you have a guy like Vladimir Tarasenko, sometimes that's all it takes for him to have a, quote, good series. He single-handedly won the Blues game, and it was a similar start to this series. You know, he looked... Beginning of the Wild Series, he looked a little frustrated, a little disengaged, um, a little like he had a little bit less pep in his step, whatever, um, gripping the stick a little tightly, all the cliches. And then he got that first goal to go in, and then it was just like, boom. Like, he he, he turned the difficulty down to rookie mode after that. Um, and sometimes that's all it takes is seeing seeing a puck cross the goal line, seeing that the back of the net ripple like that. You can really just set something off in a guy like Vladimir Tarasenko. And in a similar sense to Robert Thomas, I think that's a great point that if he gets going, it caught like the floodgates open. You know, it's not like he'll just get one goal and be quiet. I, I mean, I'll even expand upon your pick and say if Vladimir Tarasenko scores tonight, it'll be more than one goal. Um, and that's that's typically how it goes with him, especially in the playoffs. He scores in bunches. Um, so yeah, I think that's a great pick. I think both of those guys are in similar boats, not having the postseason that they would want to have, but they're right on the cusp of doing something special for this Blues team. And if either one of those two guys has a big game tonight, again, I like the Blues' chances. They have their work cut out for them, obviously. Billy Huso doesn't have as much playoff experience as Jordan Bennington, but they've won with him before. Uh, I said this heading into the playoffs that, you know, there could be a worst-case scenario where 
some goalie is forced into a situation where they have to start. We saw both goalies in round one, and now we're going back to Billy Huso. It's a good problem to have. There's a reason why the Blues didn't trade Billy Huso at the deadline, and this tonight is it. Uh, that being said, I'm looking forward to the game, but I think that is all the time we have, Tommy, unless you got something to add. Nope, that's all I got. I just appreciate you guys listening to us. As always, uh, hoping that this turns into a long series. Uh, I think every, I think I said on the crossover with uh, Locked On As that I, I feel like out of all the series right now, this is probably the most uh, entertaining from a hockey standpoint. And I think uh, the NHL as a whole deserves this to go six or seven games. So. Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, that being said, make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you listen to, to, to us on. Subscribe to us on YouTube. The YouTube channel has been exploding lately. Um, really encouraging to see that. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this one does as well. Uh, hit that notification bell whenever we upload a new video. You'll be the first to know. They usually come out before the episodes come out on audio. So you can get a little early access sneak peek if you want to do that. Uh, leave a comment. We'll try to interact with those. Um, we've been getting more comments lately. So it's been a little harder, but still trying our best there. Um, that being said, follow our social medias uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at Lockdown Blues. Same as our YouTube channel. Follow me on Twitter at Josh Hammond NHL. You can follow Tommy at TWelcher15. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, let's go, Blues.